Welcome to the Serial Serial, the AV Club's podcast about a podcast that is about a podcast that made a podcast this time. Every week for the next two months or so, a few Onion Inc. staffers will be talking about an episode of S-Town, the new podcast from the teams behind Serial and This American Life. Hello, I'm your host, AV Club Senior Editor Mara Eakin, and I'm joined this week by Onion Social Media star Ryan Shattuck, as well as Super Quick Video Editor Sam Dunnewald. Guys, Hello. Hello. That's Ryan. Hi. That's I didn't realize Sam. I was super quick. Yeah, those are very heard, nice titles I've heard that you you're very us. quick. I'll I've heard that it. everyone wants to work with you because you're so quick. I've always prided myself at that, so it's nice to <laughs> have the word getting around. Are you guys serial fans? Yes. Are you guys S-Town fans? Yeah. Y- yes. Oh. <laughs> I, I want to clarify that I am a serial enthusiast, but not necessarily fan. Okay. Uh, season but, one, season two. Like, I listened to both a lot and liked both for different reasons and disliked both for different reasons. That's fair. Yeah. Huh. But this is about S-Town. I liked S-Town a lot, the best of the three. Why, why did you like S-Town so much, Sam? Because I think it is, I think S-Town of the three is much more focused on, like, the character. Like, mm-hmm. I think S-Town, taken as a whole, is really about John and about the people that surround his life and all the mm-hmm. people that sort of are connected to him and have been connected to him and, like, are affected by his passing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the f- two seasons of Serial are, like, of course, they focus on individual characters and in particular the second season, but I think they're much more about, like, broader ideas and, and a little bit less, like, personal and eccentric in interesting ways. That checks out. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is very much about humanity. Yeah. And it... I mean, someone said in uh, episode three, the taping of episode three, where we were sent us kind of saying, you know, maybe every person deserves this after they die, this like seven episode podcast arc about who they were and how we knew them and what people really thought of them and stuff. But see, I, I'm not sure if I would want that about me because I feel like, <laughs> and and we'll, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into this, um, you know, the fact that he supposedly prepared and had this mysterious will and had all these plans only for that to completely fall apart. Yeah, I never put it anywhere. And I feel like that's what turned into the show. We're listening to the ramifications of either a missing will or the ramifications of his plans that he didn't make. And I think like if that were to happen to me, I... I don't know if I'll have a lot of plans. And I feel like that would be a lot of messiness for people to talk yeah. about my life. He was seemed very prepared for like spiritual death, but not yeah. for legal death. Let's yes. put it that way. Um, you were saying, Ryan, that you have listened to this episode three times now. Yes. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I, I listened to it when it was originally released a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I listened to about one a day. Um, I will say, I think that one of the wisest things that they did with this in comparison to Serial is with Serial, they released them, I think it was like once a week over a couple of weeks. I think it got to be once every other week at some point. And uh, in doing that, it really like drove a lot of people to do their own internet detective work and I think kind of ruined that in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, they just dumped it all at the same time. And I think that kind of allowed you to become a little bit more Im- immersive and not 
do any of the internet mm-hmm. detective work on your own. Which is maybe good because these are just regular people. Yeah. Like, I'm sure I yeah. could find Tyler on Facebook. I probably. think exactly what I was saying before about, like, this is much more character-focused, and I think Serial, especially the first season, was much more, like, arc and, like, mm-hmm. what's the story here-focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that one, like, people really felt like they wanted to get ahead of the story, like they yeah. wanted to watch the next episode before it had been released, so they just went and did their own research. And people would have tried to do that here also if it had been released in the same format, but because the point here seems to be much more about the people involved, like I think that would have been really mm-hmm. sort of detrimental. I think some people did do it because I saw, yeah. like when S-Town came out, I saw someone online saying, whoa, don't Google John B. McLemore if you're listening to S-Town. <laughs> uh, you'll get it spoiled for He's you. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. 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 Shocker. Um, so anyway, to, to answer your question from before, I, I did listen to the three, listened to the first time a couple of weeks ago. And then I listened to it last night and today at work. Mm-hmm. And when I listened to it last night, I was riding home on the L and I was just kind of in this headspace where like it really connected to me and I've had a, I've lost a family member to suicide. And so like, there are aspects of this that like really draw me into the story and the whole like, you know, what does this mean for the human condition? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all going to die someday and life is a clock. And then I was listening to it today and I was in a completely different headspace. And as I was listening to them argue about the gold titty ring and <laughs> the, you know, whether Tyler had the deeds for the trucks and I became very irritated with these people. And I thought, this is, I kind of feel like a voyeur listening on their lives. And I don't see how that impacts me. So, were you irritated with Brian or with the people who are acting like babies in the town? The, the, the people in the town, I think. It is very uh, irritating because you think, you know, death yeah. should be well, fair and just. And... I think part of what makes uh, this episode interesting is to see all those reactions and yeah. see how petty everyone ends up. I mean, it's, I, I, there's, there is kind of a weird voyeuristic uh, feel to it. And even after like knowing how it completed and how it ends, I still feel, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm eavesdropping on people that maybe don't, I mean, obviously, everyone gave permission to to be on this story, mm-hmm. but in a way, I feel kind of dirty. Maybe that's maybe that's <laughs> not the right word. Invasive. Um, invasive. Yeah. It is weird to know personal details about people that you maybe don't speak to. Mm-hmm. That's Facebook for you. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. as well. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting about this episode is that listening to it today and back to back with episode three. I didn't realize until now that um, John B., his voice wasn't in episode three, but it is in Mm. episode four. Mm. And it was kind of refreshing to, I guess, to have him come back. And that absence in episode three was pretty notable. Yeah, it's got to be pretty intentional, right? Yeah. Given the nature of episode three. He's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you guys, I mean, this is bad segue, but why do you guys think he didn't write a will? (laughs) I mean, That's the big question. Yeah, it seems like entirely possible that he did and it got lost. I mean, he wasn't... It could was, be somewhere in his computer. Exactly. He clearly wasn't a particularly organized guy. Um, but 
Oh, he could have yeah. buried it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. He he seems like a very contradictory person. And you got the impression that he didn't always necessarily know what he wanted. And he kind of put on this, um, this facade. And I think part of that facade is I see the bigger picture. I'm worried about climate change and humanity is going to die and I am prepared for everything. But inwardly, he everything was a mess and he didn't make any of these plans. I'm not sure why he would say that he would, but I don't think a will is missing. I think he just never created one. Yeah, well, and he never really seemed to be prepared for like climate change and yeah. post-apocalyptic. He just was like a prophet of that yeah. much more. That is that is true. He was very good at worrying and complaining about a lot of things, but not actually. It didn't fucking yeah. shit or get off the pot. Like, didn't <laughs> I think in one of the earlier episodes, um, he's asked, "Why don't you just get out of shit town if you hate it yeah. so much?" And I mean, I yeah. think his excuse was his mother. I don't yeah, remember who would, what he said. Who would take care of my mom? Who would yeah. watch the dogs? Who would? you know, keep track of the, the farm. I think it's really relatable, too, to be, like, in that context, mm-hmm. as long as we're talking about that, um, I think it's really relatable to feel like, well, even if I hate it here, like, this is where I'm from, this is where I live, like, where mm-hmm. am I going to go? Like, what's he going to do? Like, It's really ballsy to, to move or... somewhere that you've never lived. Yeah. yeah, he, like, doesn't know anyone anywhere else. Or there... that you don't know anybody, especially, yeah. You're right. There... There's a quote, uh, one of his professors mentioned that he noticed that John never seemed to be comfortable while he was in college, and he never seemed to be comfortable while he was at home. And these were kind of of his own making in a way that he just, I think he just wasn't comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. Well, and to hop off of that and circle back around to why does he not have a will, I mean, the guy clearly had a lot of mer- mercury in his bottom. <laughs> yeah. There is that. Yeah, that. Mercury in his body, right? Like, he wasn't all there. Mm-hmm. And, like, he may or may not have had depressive issues going on apart from that, too. Like, maybe he just, like, didn't write a will because he forgot or something else. Yeah. I, don't know. I think he was afraid a little bit, too, of being, in, like, he seems like he was entirely himself but I don't know that he was. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Like, he was afraid mm-hmm. of really letting people know who he was. Like, how only yeah. Tyler knew mm-hmm. that he was into pain and stuff like that. And they get a lot into that in the uh, the sixth episode, too, I think, like, from the perspective of his uh, romantic relationship with the, the one guy that... Yeah, or non-romantic, that. I guess, yeah. as it were. Yeah. Well, and it's... You kind of get the impression that he constantly felt lonely mm-hmm. and... W- I don't think we ever know for sure why he took his life, but, you know, we might guess loneliness might mm-hmm. be one of the reasons. I mean, that's one thing, you know, we've talked about is, is a very, it's very easy to be lonely in a small town, even with a lot of people around mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. You know, he lives with his mom, but that doesn't mean very much. So, um, so it was, I, I don't remember who he's talking to, but uh, it may have been the professor. And he said, I think he died thinking he was lonely. Um, and then the host mentions there's not much of a difference between being lonely and thinking you are. Mm-hmm. So even if he wasn't lonely, he had like 
all sorts of people around him and his mom and dogs and neighbors and yeah. friends. Inwardly, he Yeah. If was he feels lonely. like none of them know him. Yeah. Yeah. Then he's lonely. Well, and he's got this whole like cabal of clockmakers that <laughs> are like all around the world and are, are all like so disheartened to hear of yeah. his passing. Right? But they all have their own shit going on too. Like That's the true. one didn't write him back or whatever in the email because his wife was pregnant and she was feeling sick and yeah. I don't know. Everyone's got their own shit going on and it's hard to really say. And I mean, and John said a number of times that he was going to kill himself and everyone just said, oh, that's John. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> wacky suicidal John. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know that, that the fact that they, maybe this isn't exactly what you meant, but I don't know that the Go fact ahead. that um, all the clockmakers are in other places really changes sort of the nature of their relationship with him. Like, I yeah. I mean, they still talked on the phone. Right. Exactly. Because, I mean, like, my best friends here in Chicago, like, will go out of town or be busy for a couple of weeks, and I just won't see them for a while. Like, everyone does that, and, you know, I'll call one of my other clockmaker friends, like... Oh, you got a if, lot of clockmaker friends? Well, I mean, like, if if I'm John and one of my clockmaker friends has a sick pregnant wife, then, like, maybe that guy's got uh, a lot going on right now, and I'll go call the guy in Britain instead, like... <laughs> Um, or he'll call Tyler, yeah. who, uh, in a terrible segue, is having a tough time in this episode. Yeah. Because he's had a falling out with Bubba from the tattoo shop, uh, and he can't get to his stuff. His tools are in uh, John's house and uh, are subsequently just disappeared. And then he eventually gets charged with felony theft. <laughs> yeah, that, that scene with the... Uh, the the trap. Uh, I was going to say the the quote over the courthouse door mm-hmm. um, is most important of, people in the world. Yeah, yeah, pass through this uh, these doors. The people of Bibb County, like that, uh, that whole like paragraph <laughs> is one of the most like memorable paragraphs in the whole series to me. It's so sad. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking something I wrote down was that he's stuck in a system that's not sympathetic to him, both yeah. like in the legal system yeah. and in life because. Oh. What is he going to do, you know? Yeah. How is he going to live? And he doesn't... I think something we said in episode one or two of this podcast was, was we looked up how much X 20 ounces of gold was or something, like how much that was worth. And we were like, oh, it's 20, worth $25,000. But you were like, that's like a reasonable amount of money, but it's not like these millions that John is supposedly worth. And we were mm-hmm. like, but $25,000 to Tyler could make a giant yeah. difference in his life. Yeah. Be like a roof over his kid's head. Yeah. I mean, in... One of the episodes, they talk about how he was, Tyler was in such dire straits that he, uh, you know, got pulled over and had his license suspended. Yeah, he was driving without his license. Yeah, driving without a license. But he needed the car to be able to get to work, to be able to pay off the fines. And Mm -hmm. so he would have to drive anyway, and then he would get another fine for that. And it just, that was just symbolic of his entire Life, he just continues to be in this like mm-hmm. snowball that gets bigger and bigger. And hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ruins more and more of his life. I haven't looked up anything about Tyler since, but I am interested to know 
how this show is affecting him and where yeah. he is right now in life. Hmm, for sure. I think the what both of you have now talked about in this episode with Tyler being in a really bad spot because of how he's like butting up against the legal system in particular, but just sort of the like cycle and system of his life is like that's one of the main background themes of S-Town, right? Is like all these large systems that aren't really caring about the individuals and then mm. the individuals ending up like getting crushed by the system and then butting heads with each other too. Mm -hmm. Like the, the it like the climate change as this like like there's no part of climate change that directly impacts the story of S Town, but it's mentioned in like every episode. It's like this pervasive background noise of just like mm -hmm. being stressed out by this like Larger creeping, system yeah. that cares not at all about like any of these people we are coming to know and any of these characters that we're coming to like meet and root for, and I I think that's really well one of the tragedies that they're really trying to focus on here. Yeah, well, and, and I think it does the, an excellent job of pointing out that you know it was a large focus of John's attention and time, and yet for most of the people in this story, the the cousins and, and the townspeople, I mean, they're just trying to figure out where they're going to get a job from and mm -hmm. their next meal. And it's kind of more difficult for them to comprehend how the climate will be destroyed in a hundred years yeah. because... Because you got to worry about tomorrow. You got to worry right. about tomorrow. Exactly what you were saying about... Um, uh, Tyler in this like cycle with the car too, right? Of like, he's, this system is like keeping him in this spot where like he's screwed mm -hmm. because of the system when like he can't fix his problem. Like he can't fix the problem of like his kids need a house. Yeah. Right? Like. But you could say that about John, like John didn't do a will if he didn't do one because he was like, oh, well, what the fuck? Like no one's going to believe my will anyways. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm, I could give it to a land trust, but they're just going to screw up my house anyways. Yeah. But then because he didn't do that, he's like perpetuating this. Like he's kind of screwing over Tyler. It's true. So did he not create a will because he didn't trust anyone or trust institutions? Or? That's like the suggestion I yeah. think is made. But there's certainly like that's part of what's going on. I mean, like if the guy had a lot of faith in systems, I imagine he would have. Written a will, I also like, think it probably he probably never would have been what he wanted it to be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If it had a 53-page yeah. ongoing manifesto he was working on and stuff like that, it probably would have been a work in progress. Yeah. But it's also like he... John seemed to be like very clear the night that he uh, uh, passed like what he wanted to be done in the wake of his death. Um, but because he didn't formalize any of that, like, because he didn't, like, codify any of that within mm -hmm. the system that he didn't trust, like, it didn't pan out that way. And that's one thing that happens in people's death is, yes, you said you wanted to do this, but I know better than you. Right. Do you know what I mean? Well, you're gone. So, like, I mean, once you're gone, you don't have agency anymore. Yeah, like, you can say you of, want to donate your organs, but right. if your family doesn't agree to it, then yeah. tough shit. Regardless of what your original intent yeah. was. So, I mean, which makes me wonder, was the mess that ensues after his death, is that what he wanted or did he just not anticipate that it would be so messy? I think it's pretty clear 
he didn't anticipate it. I mean, yeah. like the like he says many times like what he wants to be done with his possessions, right? He says to Tyler, like, you can have anything you want. Yeah. And he says, um, he says to Brian offhandedly at one point, like, I can't remember whether it's this episode, but like if I died today, a hundred thousand dollars would go to Greenpeace or something yeah. like that, Pita. right? Pita. Yeah, PETA, yeah. thank you. Um, and then at the end, too, he like in his um in his note that they I think believe are reading in the last episode, he talks about um wanting to leave so that um he can like leave more space for other people to enjoy the things on this life mm-hmm. or in mm-hmm. this life that he has been able to jo- uh, enjoy. And uh, he, he like doesn't really get to do that in the way, you know, like yeah. all of his goods could be used to like better the lives of others. And they're just like not being used that way because there was no like mm-hmm. formal. I guess it's surprising he didn't anticipate it considering how much of like a social pessimist he was. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? That he would have anticipated something terrible would have happened. I mean, he he was obviously brilliant enough to... See, I kind of wonder if he did anticipate the mess that would follow and he kind of maybe was apathetic to that because mm-hmm. he was smart enough to know that just saying, I will leave $100,000 to PETA, but not writing that down anywhere it's not going to happen. I mean, I'm not as, mm-hmm. I'm not that smart and I know that. <laughs> and so I wonder why he didn't follow through on that then. Like it, it seems very intentional. Uh, what do you guys think of Rita and Charlie, the cousins from Florida? Or Brian's interpretation well, of Rita and Charlie, <laughs> yeah. the cousins from Florida? I mean, if we're talking about just this episode, yeah, you know, Outside of the context of the episodes that follow, uh, they, they're they kind of the villains, I think. They get painted in a very shady light. They do. Now, and we won't spoil too much, but later you, you start to, they uh, develop more dimensions to them. But in this episode, they don't, they're not very empathetic people. They kind of seem... They seem just as opportunistic as everyone else. Yeah, they took possession of that house and it was gutted a week later. Mm -hmm. You know, everything's gone out of it a week later. They have no time to let that shit sit around. They seem almost more like plot devices than characters in this episode to me. Of like, like they they feel like these like shadowy forces like setting up the like true crime story, while Mm -hmm. you've got Tyler sort of like wallowing in the consequences Mm -hmm. of their actions and their hostility towards him. There's also a plot device of his family, family versus the family you make around you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yes, yeah. they're his blood family, but are they closer to him than... Than Tyler. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. people would say yes. Some people would say no. Yeah. I, w- I was surprised by how quickly Mama, I think that was mm-hmm. just the mother, how quickly... Mary Grace. She, Mary Grace, how quickly she turned against Tyler. And that was... yeah obviously the influence from the cousins, but you get the impression earlier on that she and Tyler were a lot closer. But that was Just, that was the impression from Tyler. Yeah. Right. We yeah. Everything we hear is like filtered through somebody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's one of the things that this show is so brilliant at doing is like setting up your expectations about someone and then like, as you know, we'll see in mm-hmm. the next episode, like you 
totally turn the tables and like see a completely different perspective on like what that person is coming from. Because at the same time, like later when we see the cousins through a new light, we'll also be seeing Tyler through a new light too. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, I, I just think those like turns in perspective shifts are Mm -hmm. so much about what this show is about. It's like trying to empathize with what the good intentions behind other people's actions could be. And in sort of talking to actual people, I guess, because they do that with sort of Cabram Burt, too. Like, episode one, most of episode two, you're like, that dude sounds sketchy, and it sounds like he killed someone. Yeah. And then you meet him, and you're like, oh, it sounds like he had a real bad time. Yeah. Yeah. And would not be okay with killing someone. Yeah. That was was a non-issue. Yeah. Um... What do you guys think of the accusation that Faye failed to contact the people on John's list? I I don't think there's I don't think there's a lot of conspiracy in this story, but that that was one of the few instances where it seemed very deliberate. Like that that's where it seems she was withholding information. Because, like, she's instantly proved wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. By multiple sources that are not necessarily communicating with each other. And for her to skip down the list directly yeah. to the cousins when he made it clear, this is, these are the people I wanted contacted. Mm-hmm. Well, and in this episode, like, uh, Brian goes and talks with uh, Rita, the cousin, um, and uh, the cousin is like, oh, uh, Faye said she hadn't talked to you. What do you mean you have talked to her? It's like Faye is like clearly just like not telling the truth about who she's communicated with to anyone. Like I, I just don't understand what's going on there. And she also is the one that was on the phone with him yeah. when he died. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't know the lady. She seems very nice, uh, but she's putting herself in a bad spot as far as conspiracy theories are concerned. I'm, I'm sure there's some S Town Reddit, and I got to go check it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and. And it's, this is, uh, it's, it's, this is so infuriating to me because all the, most of the true crime stuff really ends up feeling like a red herring and Mm -hmm. like a distraction or like a foundation for learning about people's character here. But we never really get Faye's side of things. Like she's one of the few places where we don't end up eventually getting to turn the tables and see things from her side. And it must be because she just like didn't want to, you know, open participate. up, participate as much. Like, that that seems to be pretty clear. There's a point in the conversation that Brian has with her at the end of this episode where she just kind of, like, clams up, and he's like, she's making eyes at me, and I don't know exactly what's going on. And I think she wants to imply that Tyler gets in his bad news. Right. He does seem like an easy target for blame, mm-hmm. too. He's like this young guy, probably has a bunch of tattoos. And he's got kids all over town. Yeah, three different and, women. Yeah, and like... Lives in a trailer. I don't have a problem with that, but like it's super easy to smear someone yeah. with that, right? Especially in a small town. It it, it did... I, I was surprised that it that he never pulled on this very easy thread to kind of investigate you know, maybe more of her background. Uh, you know, someone mentions, I think it was Tyler maybe, that, that there's a supposed conspiracy about the town stealing the gold. Mm-hmm. You know, pro- probably false. Yeah, but, did the cops take it before yeah. they took it? Did they step over his yeah. body to take the gold out of the fridge? 
And maybe not, but at the very least, I feel like there are a lot of avenues that we just, you know, didn't go down. We only focused on the cousins and Tyler and... Yeah, he doesn't say, that's a crazy... Like, I looked into it. It's probably not true. You know what I mean? He doesn't deny it. Let me ask you about the true crime stuff, because you mentioned that being a red herring. Do you think that the show that we as listeners went into the show looking for a true crime story. And so we saw more of it there maybe than the show intended to leave. So I think that the, I think that the show like clearly is set up as a true crime story because it's coming out of the producers of serial. Mm -hmm. And like that first episode, it's like Brian Reed goes to small town, Alabama to like investigate a possible murder that was covered up by the police. Like the whole framework is screaming true crime right Mm -hmm. but like when you come i mean this episode to me is like the most true crime heavy episode like uh almost every scene is framed Mm -hmm. by like brian reed saying i didn't know what was going on so i went and asked this person what was Mm -hmm. going on and then like the scene will be 10 minutes long and seven of those minutes will be the person he's talking to telling a story about john like the the true crime framework to me feels so much more like a we're going to draw you in with this like possible mystery yeah. and then also set it up as almost like a metaphor for uh, when someone dies, there are just like all these, all these like loose threads left mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. that like, and no one has the whole picture because no one is that person who's now gone. Mm-hmm. And so coming in and like trying to make sense of what's left over and tie all those threads together is really hard. And this is like an exaggerated version of that. Not everyone has possible like buried treasure in their backyard that's several acres large, right? And not everyone like has the town uh, town clerk who was on the phone with them while they were dying. Well, like, and in like a really dramatic way. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but, it, but at the same time, like all of that to me doesn't feel like the point. Like that feels like a thing for all these characters kind of bounce off of like the true crime is like a thing there for people to interact with much more than it is the point. Mm-hmm. It is a detective story, but not a yeah. like a police style detective story. Yeah. Well, and I, I think if the producers had said at the beginning, we want you to listen to this story about an eccentric closeted gay man who died and didn't have a will. And then people argue about, the money <laughs> in a poor town in Alabama. And nothing really happens. And no, nothing really happens over all, seven episodes. Yeah, like all their... You wouldn't draw anyone in. Well, all their classical, but, like, This American Life listeners are going to come flocking for that, but well, they're not going to yeah, get the, yeah, like, serial not, audience. Yeah, you're not going to get right? the massive yeah. audience. So they, they have to package it in this very serialized what happens next in the following episode, stay tuned type... Well, and I, I still really do think that, like, that the device of doing it that way serves a number of purposes, one of which is this sort of, like, marketing and, like, bringing people in purpose, mm-hmm. but um, which may or may not be the best for this story, but is, like, the, you know, a nice thing for them as a podcast uh, producer. But, like, at the same time, uh, that idea of, ooh, what's going on here? What's going on here? What's going on here? And then, like repeatedly being confronted with the idea that listen that's not the point like that Mm -hmm. to me is really useful that like maybe are really interesting and really important to say like the point is 
not where's the gold. The point is, like, look at all these people's lives that were affected mm-hmm. by. But John was gold in his heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of those things. Yeah. Well, and they, 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 they're on a fine line, I think, between you know revealing human nature and also trying to avoid being too gossipy because mm-hmm. there are points where I think I know we're learning about these different characters, but it's, again, I, it feels kind of a little invasive to me. And I don't know if many yeah. people share that opinion, but I. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he it's invasive, but he doesn't insert himself in the story that much in the sense that he doesn't go. Look, I'm talking to Rita and I'm talking to Tyler. I'm going to get Rita and Tyler together in the same room and they're going to hash this out. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. he doesn't try to make story happen. Yeah. He just kind of lets it happen around him. He does a good job of just documenting and not trying to be a part of the story. Mm-hmm. I would have liked it if Tyler and Rita worked it out though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like one of those things where the more you listen to these episodes, the more you're like, oh my God, I hope yeah. they're listening and I hope they're... I'm having like a hug or something at some point. Yeah, I want them to be on this podcast. I should work on it. Yeah. I got to get Skylar on. on here. Yeah, yeah. Skylar, Tyler, Jake, Abram. Come on, call us, call us. Yeah. Someone told me that the guy with the stomach tattoo that says feed me or whatever yeah. was on like the Guardian. Yeah, I saw no. that article. The, the tattoo and like on his morbidly obese stomach, oh, like the photo of it is really something. It's probably a bad tattoo. It's no judgment on Tyler, but it's not a great tattoo. But it's it's not a great. It's not that the like work of the tattoo is bad. It's that like the guy is just so large, uh, and the tattoo is Google just like that. spread all over. Yeah, it's no, just I, like ugh. I will take your it's take just, your word for it. Feed me, gosh. Uh, that's huh. how I feel when I look at pictures of John's nipple rings. Like, I yeah. just, like, stare at them, like, yeah. oh, you what's have... going on there? I am not going to look that up either. <laughs> uh, they're not gold. They're brass. I'm sorry. Yeah. Spoiler. What do you think happened to the gold? This is the, the last question. Do you think there was gold? Where do you think it is? Because at some point in a later episode, spoiler, Tyler tells Brian something off mic. Yeah. And then Brian leaves it at that. I don't know. I think it's pretty clear that, like, Tyler found something. I think it's pretty clear that there, like, was some amount of gold. Probably not, like, millions, but probably, like, enough that any of us would be very, very pleased to have found it. And I'm, like, I. it is strongly implied, I think, by that seventh episode, I think it is, like, off my comment that, like, Tyler found the gold. You think? Yeah. I think think that is the implication of what's going on. But I think Tyler... If you found the gold, like, I don't know that Tyler is smart enough to not, like, buy a new truck. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. And yeah, he, he very <laughs> much would have flashed it around. He would have re- revealed that he found the gold. He probably would have told Rita that he had found the gold just because he doesn't have that kind of self-control. I, I'm, I'm more of the opinion that I think there was some gold, but... Th- it's implied that John spent a lot of his savings, and I think he just mm-hmm. burned th- through it. I mean, I he probably did make a lot of money from fixing up clocks, but but it was in the nineties. But but yeah, how much money can you make from fixing up clocks in the nineties? Apparently, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year working two to three days a week. Yeah, that's what they say in episode mm-hmm. three, episode two, four. I think it's this episode. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and I think the gold is also just a sexy thing for us mm, to yeah. think about and wonder yeah. about as listeners. Like, and you imagine it like gold bar, no, gold, gold, gold. Yeah, Where it's, it's probably just like little tiny, like dinky. Yeah. You know, twenty ounces is pound. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit more. There was some gold. Probably someone find it. I mean, Tyler clearly knew something, but like the the gold isn't just going to be. Yeah, if, if there were millions of dollars worth of gold that was actually worth obsessing about, it would have come up. Maybe mm. he didn't find gold, but he like found some stock certificates or something, and he cashed those in. Yeah. Yeah. See, I d- I don't think he had gold any or a lot of hidden gold any more than like he had a will. I I think a lot of this was. He wants you to think that he's prepared. He wants you to think that he's wealthy. I think a lot of this is facade of this mm-hmm. man who holds it together. And I just don't think that gold exists. And you might buy those stories more if you think he is doing this in a, in a dramatic way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the unbanking thing. Yeah. Oh, he has all of his money out of the bank and he has so much money and it's all unbanked. Mm-hmm. And versus eh, it's like a, you know. Yeah. $20,000 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. You're unbanked 20 grand. Like, you know, LeBron James really has 20 grand on him right now. So, well, <laughs> I mean, he he's, he's clearly a melodramatic fan. He yeah. sent a copy of his suicide letter to his lawyer and town hall. Like, well, <laughs> just some like yeah, random like, person. Ordina- ordinary, non melodramatic <laughs> people don't do that. It's, it's a yeah. cry for attention. Right. And his suicide letter is also like 55 pages long yeah. and like full of like all these commentaries on the social state of the planet. Like, and like yeah. porn. Yeah. yeah. And someone throwing up on Lady Gaga and all this really? stuff, right? I didn't right? know I any think of that. that's what he said. It's, yeah. I don't remember if it's a suicide letter or some different. Oh, that's but, the uh, manifesto. It, yeah, the yeah, manifesto. Okay. Um, it's called Separate the... Separate 53-page um, document. God, what is it called? I have, I'm sure I have it here in front of me, but it's called like the, the collapse list is what it's called, the mm-hmm. manifesto. So I, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination for a man who writes 53-page collapse mm-hmm. list manifesto to also mm, possibly stretch the truth about being, <laughs> a, you know, a pirate with a pirate ship full of gold. <laughs> Yeah, why wouldn't he have gotten real gold nipple rings instead of those dang brass ones <laughs> if he had so much money? Keep them on right on your body. Mm-hmm. We'd all do that. <laughs> That's smart thinking. Guys, thanks so much for being here. You yeah, were true us. pleasures. Yeah. You're um, welcome. Thank you. And thanks to everyone at home for listening. I'm Mara Eakin, and I've been joined by Ryan Chaddock and Sam Dunnewald. This show was produced by Stephen Holliger and by our executive director of audio, Mundana Mofidi. Our theme song is by The Hood Internet, and this episode was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. If you have a question you want to send us, you can email it to serialserial at avclub.com or post a tweet using the hashtag serialserial as long as it is nice. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Panoply, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We will see you guys next week for episode five. Mm-hmm.